Hello and welcome to Schoolhouse Equity in Education. I am your host, Allison R. Brown, Executive Director of the Communities for Just Schools Fund, or CJSF, where we provide resources and support to community-based organizations that are working to ensure equity in their schools. Go to cjsfund.org to subscribe to our e-newsletter. If you're tweeting, follow me at Allison R. Brown and tweet about the show with the hashtags C4JS with the number four or Communities for Just Schools, again, with the number four. So I am super excited about today's episode of Schoolhouse. I'm excited for a couple of reasons. So first, because I have the great privilege today to talk to Miss Karen Parsons. Many of you know Karen from her role as Hilary Banks on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, absolutely one of my favorite shows when I was a teenager. But I'm mostly excited to talk to Karen about what she's been up to lately. Karen is the founder and president of Sweet Blackberry, which brings little-known Black heroes to young people. Karen, welcome to Schoolhouse, and thank you for being on the show today. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me here. I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this. What is Sweet Blackberry? Well, we're a nonprofit organization, and I started with the intention, the idea of bringing these stories to kids, little-known stories of African-American achievement that I was discovering. I felt like these aren't stories we ever hear about. My mother was a librarian. She headed the Black Resource Center in her library in Inglewood, and she found stories that she thought were really interesting, and she would call me when I was on Fresh Prince, actually, during that time. She would call me, and she she would let me know about these stories, and she'd tell me these fascinating stories. And one in particular, the story of Henry Box Brown, an enslaved man who nailed himself to freedom in a box. At the time, you know, I heard it and I was, you know, I couldn't believe I'd never heard a story like this. I thought it was the most incredible story. I would tell my friends they hadn't heard it. Nobody knew of it. Mm-hmm. And the Internet at the time wasn't what it is right now. It's growing so quickly. And, you know, there was very little information on this man. And I thought, well, this just makes such great sense for a um a story for kids, like a book, and I just could see, you know, the man inside of a box, and he's this whole escape, and he's triumphant. I mean, he he made it in the end after this very long long journey by train, by wagon, by boat, and all all of this, and finally he is released from the box, and because he has crossed state lines, he is a free man, Mm. and went on to talk about that for the rest of his life. And I just found it so, so fascinating. And that became the impetus for the Sweet Blackberry series, where I would take, right now I still are finding stories that we just don't hear about so much. You know, in the schools, we we hear about a handful of stories about Black history. Mm-hmm. All incredible stories, mind you, but we keep hearing the same ones. And to me, not only do we risk losing the other stories, not only are we not hearing the whole picture, because these are American stories. Mm-hmm. I believe that we send a dangerous message as well. When we only tell about a few stories, then the message, the subliminal message that's being told is that every now and then a special black person comes along and does something. And I think that's what a lot of Americans think is that, oh, there were a few black people that did some great things. (laughs) A handful of them. (laughs) And that's how children of all races Mm -hmm. uh, here in this country grow up thinking about the contributions of Black people. They think of the most sporadic things that happen here and there, as opposed to the truth, which is that Black people are really 
are such a large part of the fabric of this country and literally built so much of this country. And I think if children get that message early, not only learning about these people and all of those, how inspiring and empowering their stories are, but also in terms of race, if we all get those stories early, these are geared towards young kids, their whole idea of the landscape of race is different. Their whole vision is different for their value, Mm -hmm. what they see their value as, what they see their neighbor's value as, is different. If they see that, oh, this is who I came from, this is what we've done. There's a short video on your website about the organization. And in that video, you talk about the social experiment that was designed by doctors Kenneth and Mamie Clark, who are certainly heroes in their own right. And, you know, their experiment was utilized in the Brown versus Board of Education litigation strategy to really demonstrate the significant harms that segregation was actually causing Black children. Right. Talk about that experiment and how it moved you to create Sweet Blackberry. First, let me clarify for people who are listening and don't understand, because I wasn't very clear. The Sweet Blackberry film, as it is right now, they're films. They're short, animated films for children. And they're for young children, you know, aged probably four to seven. Although we have a larger audience that looks on, we found older siblings and parents because of the content, because of who we are talking about. I think everyone's always fascinated and so that's how we're reaching people right now although we plan on doing having a lot of of other mediums so I just want to be clear on what it what that is but this experiment that was done where they and a lot of people have heard of it where they take a black doll and a white doll and they present them to a young child and they ask them to choose which doll is the better doll is the prettier doll is the smart doll is the nice doll and they ask black children this and resoundingly the child picks the bad doll is the black doll the good doll is the white doll the ugly doll is the black doll the pretty doll is the white doll all of these, we see this over and over again and even in recent years when they've done this again to see the outcome and see how things have changed we find that very little has changed mm-hmm. To me, that was devastating because they're really, really little kids. Mm -hmm. They're so strongly influenced by what's outside of them to get these messages. And so what does that do to you? They haven't even been enough in the whole system and beaten around by, you know, the injustices of things. Some of these kids are like five years old. They're being asked this Mm -hmm. and they're saying, you know, they're identifying what looks like them as bad. Mm -hmm. I found that to be incredibly disturbing, as I think all of us do, yeah. and something that needs to be addressed and, and needs to be acknowledged. And that's the, I think that's really important is to look at this and go, you can't deny this, and you can't also, you know, we're seeing it happen now. You can't say that this isn't still a huge problem. Yeah. I mean, whatever, with, with Sweet Blackberry, I mean, like I said before, for to me, a lot of what, what we can do is give children positive images and people that look like them, they can say, hey, I can do that. I'm from the, you know, I can, I can create this. I can invent this. I'm smart. You know, I'm inventive. I'm, I'm courageous. Mm-hmm. I can be faced with a huge challenge, a big obstacle, and make something incredible happen. And so I think that's what we're able to give them. As well, as, and like I said, these are American stories. These are not exclusively for black children. Mm-hmm. These are for everyone. And I think it's important and a lot for everyone to to gain 
from witnessing these or reading about these people or witnessing these films. How exactly does Sweet Blackberry work? So the short videos, you're taking them to schools, you're taking them to other places that young people are. What exactly are yeah. you doing with the videos? Well, we have the, they're short animated films that can be, you know, parents can purchase them, which many, that's what many people do. They purchase them and they have them in their home. So for entertaining their kids, it's not all fiction, it's not all cartoons. These are educational, but they're entertaining. And that was really important to me because for me, in all honesty, when I grew up, I hated history. Yes. <laughs> I love it now. Me too. Me too. And you had to memorize dates and yes. everybody was like, this is important. You know, <laughs> without the explanation of why, you know, there was never that right. connection to why do I, why do I need to know that random right. date? Exactly true. Mm-hmm. It was just that they knew it was important. So that came at you with all those, like, it's important. You have to know this. <laughs> you must. But, and then I think the best history teachers don't do that. Yeah. The best history teachers, let's face it, you know, they bring it to where you are, which mm-hmm. is what I really wanted to try to do, which is. Talk to them about people that fascinated them that they could relate to. You know, it's like um, Little Red Riding Hood, mm-hmm. for instance. We know everything about Little Red Riding Hood, right? <laughs> you know, tell it like it's something fascinating mm-hmm. and wonderful. And, you know, then they'll, they'll soak it all up. So even if these stories can't get as in-depth as you would like, when I sat down to write the journey of Henry Box Brown, I realized, like, oh, what have I taken on? This is slavery. Mm-hmm. Little kids, how do I tell them about this? So you tell them what you can yeah. in the best way that you can. You don't hold back too much. You have to hold back some, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they can take a lot more than you think. They're ready for it to tell them in the right way. But I think that that's, that's really important is to bring it to them, you know, where they live, what they can relate to, how they can get into it and, and make it entertaining. So the whole idea is to bring these engaging stories to kids, pull them in, and I've done that, that if the parents purchase the DVDs and they have them in their home, mm-hmm. we're also available on Netflix right now, so you can stream the films through Netflix. We show a lot to the school system, so we had a lot of orders for schools and libraries, and I often visit schools. This is my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I love going to the schools and I screen the films for the kids. Mm-hmm. And if there's time for an exercise, we do that. But we always have extensive question and answer sessions, which are just fantastic because kids of all ages. And I have little kids, I have pre-K all the way up to like eighth graders that I'll visit. Mm-hmm. The questions run the gamut, you know, from a the most obvious things you could think of, the things you could never imagine, to, to <laughs> asking about filmmaking. You know, when you get to the older kids, they start talking about how can I make a film like that. Mm-hmm. And that's really fun, too, because as one school recently made a couple of their own films inspired by Sweet Blackberry films after I left. And that was great to oh see these guys research and find their own stories in Black history, really good ones. Mm-hmm. And they told their own story about this person in a really, you know, in their own short time, but very full and enriching. It was great. It was so good to see them inspired that way. Yeah. So there's all these different, these different uh, angles from all ages and like I said, different questions. If you're talking to a, a five-year-old, the questions you get is <laughs> blow your mind. It always surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a mommy yourself. How has Sweet Blackberry? 
How has that been influenced by your being a mommy, and how has it influenced your parenting? Well, the whole thing came about, ultimately came about because of that, because of becoming a mom. I was on Fresh Prince when my mom was telling me these stories, mm-hmm. and I would write down extensive notes and research and put all this stuff together for a story I wanted to do, and then i discover other stories. And then i go back to Fresh Prince, and go back to shopping or whatever the heck I was doing back then. <laughs> I go back to living life, you know, the high life. And I would forget, you know, about mm-hmm. and then I would go back to it and I'd be very serious and, you know, and then I'd go back to my, you know, fluffy life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very fluffy. Understandably, yeah. And, and yeah, and it, well, it should be, right? Mm-hmm. To a degree, as well, mm-hmm. it should have been. And, and I have no regrets about that. But I would forget about it. It never went away, though. And when I mm-hmm. was, you know, flash forward years later, married to my husband, we were expecting my daughter. And I, when I was pregnant, I just was always talking about this idea and about Henry Fox Brown. And my husband is a filmmaker. He's an independent filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't wait. And that's what he does. He makes things happen. He has to go out and just like, boom, 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 just start making just things happen. Mm-hmm. He writes his own stuff and he films his own stuff. And me, my background was as an actor, right? Mm-hmm. So you like, wait for, we wait for your agent to call you. <laughs> you wait, wait for the call back. You know, it's a much more passive role. Yeah. You, know, you try to be prepared when the opportunity comes, but you're not that's not your habit is to like go out there and make it happen. Mm-hmm. So it was a new muscle for me to use. And my husband said, he was what he comes from. He said, you need to stop talking about this. Yeah. And I didn't know where to begin. So I just, I'd tell friends, I'd, I'd call people and I'd say, you know, this is this thing I'm trying to do. I'm interested in, do you know anybody who, and initially, I wanted to do books. Mm-hmm. I quickly found out that books were, were going to be difficult because I thought at the time I needed a publisher. Now, self-publishing was not the option that it is now, the mm-hmm. easy option that it is now. But making your own film, pressing your own DVDs, getting that done was something I knew I could do pretty easily. Mm-hmm. I had friends who were having children at the time who were feeling very confused about popping a DVD in for their yeah, kids. Yeah. Um, they, you know, it was like, oh, you know, I, I, sometimes I just need a quick quick respite. I just need a break, you know, to go mm-hmm. wash the dishes or do something, but I feel bad putting, putting them in front of something. And I thought, well, this is a good opportunity for them to put them in front of something they'll feel good about. That's right. You know, it's entertaining, but it's serving something. It's giving, it's nurturing them, giving them something. And so then I just started asking people and I, Talked to someone who said, you know, oh, I know an animator, and I know that, you know, the next thing you know, friends were saying, people that I knew for completely different reasons would be like, hey, I think I might know somebody who you could talk to. Mm-hmm. And it, that was a lesson I really came away with the experience, from this whole experience. You don't realize your arsenal of, you know, just your friends and people you know, mm-hmm. they're right there to provide you with all sorts of answers and help. Yeah. People want to help. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I know people for entirely different reasons. Our backgrounds together, our you know, our experiences. And, I, and when I said this is, this, I'm trying to do these films for kids, and they 
quickly connect you with people. And next thing you know, the ball was rolling. And Your network is extensive. And I mentioned at the beginning that you played Hillary Banks on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I think, I think yeah. it's fair to say that Hillary, especially early in the show, was a bit um, self-centered, maybe a bit shallow. I think so. she was always. I don't think, she ever, I don't think that ever stopped. <laughs> Is it hard for you now to overcome or reconcile the legacy and reputation of Hillary to advance Sweet Blackberry's uh, mission? Does it create cognitive dissonance for you or for other people? It's a reality that you're stereotyped. You know, people mm-hmm. expect a certain thing out of you. I think for many, many years after the show, that was more of a a detriment. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I have to say this, I've always said this, for all of the stereotypes, and I've had, I've had people not let me audition for things mm-hmm. that I knew I was actually good for in, in a couple instances. Mm-hmm. I would have been well cast for because they said, oh no, I know what she does. Mm-hmm. So it's kept some doors closed, sure, and people, definitely, without a doubt, I can see the look in people's eyes sometimes when they just there's a little like glaze over because they feel like they know who you are and they're making assumptions about you. They just think they know you and you can't penetrate it. Mm-hmm. That's unfortunate, but more times, I would definitely outweighs that are the times that people have opened their doors to me. Yeah. I'm sure some people wouldn't see me, but more, more than that, I've had people give me the benefit of the doubt or at least want to talk to me where they wouldn't have before. You know, because there's a familiarity now. They feel like, oh, I, oh, I know who she is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know her. You know, it definitely is. It's not as harmful with Sweet Blackberry as it was when I was auditioning. When I was auditioning for to try to do different parts, it was harder. Yeah. You know, when you're just the actress that played it, and you're not auditioning for a part. You're the actress that played it, saying, "I need to meet with you about my organization." doesn't harm me as much. I mean, people probably sit in the meeting and for the first five minutes they're looking at me like, should I take her seriously? <laughs> 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 not, no, not as much now because a lot of time has passed. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, right. you know, I'm a little older than Hillary, so, you know, there's a little bit to be... There's a little bit to be gained with age. Yes, you know, people the, the gravitas that you now bring. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I have a teenager. I'm, I've been around a little bit, you know. <laughs> You know, you take a look at me, I don't look the same as that little girl who was traipsing around in her faux <laughs> Chanel suit. You know. Yeah. Her so. sweaters and whatnot. That's a handbag and shoes. <laughs> Dad, I need $300. <laughs> Hillary, your cousin Will is here. Hi. Dad, I need $300. <laughs> what dog did he steal that sweater from? <laughs> Probably his wife. <laughs> Good God, who shot the couch? Hillary's tragic. It's fun, though. But, you know, if she was she was herself bucking stereotypes, you know, of what, what yeah. Black women are and Black women should be. And so there is some legacy yeah. there for folks to think about. Carefully. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know if I'm proud of all that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It was different. So she was I've, very human. Well, that's the good thing. I'm glad that I got that across, and the writers were really good about that. Because I've had so many women come up to me over the years and, like, tap me and, and whisper, I'm just like you. <laughs> <laughs> or people tell me I'm just like you. And I'm like, that is not something to brag about. You need to, don't like, tell anybody you know that. What? Yeah, keep that to yourself. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, you know, 
I completely understand it. It took a while for me to step back and look at it and go, oh, okay, I get it. Because to me, the character, as much as I was having fun and, you know, the writers were having a good time, it didn't feel like something that was so original. However, mm-hmm. I was able to look back at it later and go, wait, it, it was for a black character, yeah. for a black, to see a black woman in that light on screen. They existed. That's right. You know? Because I was basing the character very much for my my own interpretation on a girlfriend of mine who's white and on a cousin of mine who's actually a guy, but uh, my cousin. It's <laughs> 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 just kind of a combination of the two of them. <laughs> and she was such the balance to the Fresh Prince coming into Bel Air, you know, to to Will Smith's character on the show. I think it was it just offered a yeah. richness of story and and narrative that was yeah. really important for Black folks to see reflected on on the screen, you know, and for everyone to right. see reflected on the screen. So I'm appreciative. Exactly, and it's like anyone else. There's no one type. There's no two types. Mm-hmm. There's so many people out there. So it's re- I, I see how it is refreshing mm-hmm. to see throw a whole bunch of you know. Carlton's and Hillary's yes. and Will's and your pot and see what happens. And Uncle Phil's and like, and Jeffrey the Butler. I mean, it is very different. Just to be clear, you are not Hillary. Thank you. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. With Sweet Blackberry, you're doing something very different. And, you know, it, it's really kind of bringing together the power, I think, of people that is so important for young people to see. And, you know, yeah. I don't know if you've heard, but there's an election on the horizon. Um, so, oh, no, I haven't heard about it. <laughs> I so, wish I had heard I know, about it. I know. It's almost over. Oh. But every day oh. I think about, you know, Shirley Chisholm, another hero. And she was the first black woman elected to the to U.S. Congress and in 72 became the first black candidate for a major party's nomination for president and, you know, first woman to run for the Democratic Party's presidential nomination. You know, given this current political climate, it feels like the work you are doing with Sweet Blackberry is more important than ever. Do you think that's true? And if so, why Why do you think so? In the political climate, I just like, I cannot wait. I know, I know. Almost. We are almost there. I think the cultural climate, even more so than this particular political climate, has made to me Sweet Blackberry really important. A lot of things that have come up in the last couple of years, and they've come up before, but they are they are here to stay. And Black Lives Matter has a lot to do with making it something that nobody can just just like push away as like, oh, that was just trending last week. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the capturing on film, you know, murders. These atrocities is not something that will be like that will just be fleeting, and they're not allowing that. And I think people aren't allowing that. And so I think it's just something we're having as a country to reckon with our history. Mm-hmm. And I think in that regard, um, that's really important. The work I feel is Sweet Blackberry and what we're able to offer children and everyone, parents. I think it's something that's really important. It's been it's been a really trying and difficult and painful time. Yeah. And I, I think the, the election has brought up definitely in terms of um, a candidate who has, I think, helped empower some really deplorable types, dare I say the word. I think he has. There are people out there who are feeling, not like they weren't there before, mm-hmm. but I think people are feeling either strength in numbers or legitimacy or stuff, yeah. or they're feeling like, hey, yeah, I didn't realize that's what I felt, but that's, you know. Yeah. And it's really a lot of really awful 
sentiments we're finding out have existed, and they haven't they haven't gone away. Things that a lot of us would like to think have gone away haven't gone away. I think with that, it's even more important for us to embolden ourselves and to educate each other, educate about our past, but also you know there's a lot of education that's taking place about facing our history Mm -hmm. and what what really has happened in our history and what role Black people have had in our history. And I think about there are certain terms that have come up that are really interesting topics for us to discuss, not to be just angry about. And things like appropriation, I think it's important that we talk about these things. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that we talk about entitlement. And I think Sweet Blackberry definitely has a place in helping with those discussions and helping our children from a young age uh, as well to kind of get their feet under and learn something and, and feel strong and feel proud. When you talk about Black Lives Matter and the movement for Black Lives, this is such a critical moment. And that movement activity is really changing the discourse, you know, about yeah. race and racial justice in this country. And even just the notion of conversation is so important, you know. And so Very. one thing that resonated with me about Sweet Blackberry is that you really are intending the videos for diverse audiences and really wanting to shape conversation in a way that sees the value and the assets of Black people. That just feels like a really important thing, especially in this moment. So who are some of the heroes whose stories that you are telling with Sweet Blackberry? We've told the story of Henry Fox Brown. We've told the story of Garrett Morgan. And I should also mention, I think, for people who are listening who aren't familiar with Creed Blackberry, that um, so I'm really proud of this, is that we've, we've had come on board, and this is because I, this is part of back to what we were talking about before, about having been on Fresh Prince for a while, mm-hmm. and I've met a lot of people over time, and people I haven't met do still feel like they, you know, oh, I know who she is, mm-hmm. or this, and that's helped me be able to reach out to people to come on board and help Sweet Blackberry. And our our film has a journey of Henry Box Brown was narrated by Alfred Woodard, mm-hmm. who I had the good fortune of working with years ago on a miniseries called Gulliver's Travel. She played my queen <laughs> and I went running around with the little lady and waiting just like and when I, I remember when they called me for the part, I was like, Alfred Woodard, I flipped out. <laughs> and I was so excited to be I can imagine. I can imagine that. And and I'll tell you, yeah, she's amazing, right? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, then meeting her, getting to know her, she quickly became like, "Oh, I want to be Alfred. I want to be Alfred. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want to be like her when I grow up. I want to be like Alfred." She's such a oh, she's a a very dynamic, beautiful lady in so many respects. I was very fortunate, and when I was writing during of Henry Box Brown. Alfred's voice came into my head reading it mm-hmm. at some point. And I thought, oh, I have to call her. I have to call her and ask her. And she said, yes. <laughs> so we have Alfred awesome. on that. And then we did um, Garrett's Gift, which is the story of Garrett Morgan, the inventor, who mm-hmm. invented, among other things, the traffic signal, which is what our story focuses on, mm-hmm. which, you know, great for our audience because they're at that age where they're learning about traffic signals and crossing the street and, mm-hmm. and they're down on that level, which is, you know, that's a part of their everyday is traffic and they're small, they're kids, mm-hmm. cars, they're these are things that are big to them. And it also deals with a young man who's uh, creative 
energy and lots of energy and ideas gets him into trouble often. Mm -hmm. And he finally is able to find his focus as a young man and invent a traffic signal. And Queen Latifah, who did a couple episodes of Fresh Prince, so I know her from there, actually, Will Smith is the one who said, Dana needs to do one of these, you know, <laughs> Dana. Yeah. He said, you know, Dana, Dana needs to do one of these. And so he called her and asked her if she would do it. And so we talked and she came on board mm-hmm. and she's fantastic. And then the story that we just, we completed last was the story of the first black prima ballerina, Janet Collins. Mm-hmm. Fascinating story. And she was asked in the 1930s to joined the ballet roof, the Russian ballet, and you know, such a prestigious company and it's unprecedented for them to ask a black dancer to dance with them, but they asked her to do it in white face. Oh my goodness. She was only fifteen and she said no and which was you know heartbreaking mm-hmm. for her. But she went on to work even harder and became the first black prima ballerina. Mm. She won the Donaldson Award for Best Dancer on Broadway. She became the first regular performer at the Met, even before Marian Anderson, the first black regular performer. And she was a legendary dancer in the dance world, but um, nobody knows about her. Mm-hmm. And I actually found out about her by reading her obituary. That's how I discovered her. Away. And mm-hmm. yeah, her first cousin is... The also legendary dancer, Carmen de Lavalade, who was married to Jeffrey Holder. Mm-hmm. So through this, I met Carmen, who was very helpful. And I met um, Misty Copeland, who mm-hmm. was helpful and wonderful. And some other people. And Chris Rock ended up doing The Voice on our film. And he's got daughters. And so he just got the whole, you know, <laughs> wanting to help also empower little girls. Mm-hmm. And so he came on with no problem. So those are some stories that we've told. Mm-hmm. The next story I have on the roster, although I have a, I have a few, I have so many. Uh, <laughs> but right now, <laughs> trying to focus on one. Mm-hmm. I hear stories all the time where I go, "Oh my god, oh, wow!" You know, <laughs> that one we have to do that. One. Blown back by people, but Bessie Coleman, the Aviator, mm-hmm. is a story that I love. And mind you, there's a little bit more on Bessie out there than there may be about. You know, Anna Collins. Mm-hmm. However, there's still not enough. Yeah. I still feel like her story is one that enough people don't know about. She was an aviator. She was the first black international pilot. She was the first black woman in the state to get a pilot's license. First black person to hold have an international pilot's license was because as a woman and as a black woman, mm-hmm. nobody would teach her how to fly in the states. <laughs> so. She had sponsors, people who paid for her to go to France, and there she went to Paris, and she learned how to fly. And then she came back, and she was a hero because everybody knew about her at that point. And I, I just, she's, you know, you look at pictures of her; she's so young, and she's so completely undeterred by everyone else's idea of her limitations. So it's very exciting to see this woman who's just got so much energy in her face, and like. I want, you know, she doesn't want to fly. I want to fly. Mm-hmm. She doesn't care that, like, I'm a woman, I'm black, yeah. and, you know. This is <laughs> Those are not, not hindrances, but, yeah, just who she is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's just like, no, this is what I want. She yeah. doesn't think about, oh, oh, we don't do that. People yeah. don't allow that for me. She says, no, it's what I want. How can I do it? Yes. How can I figure my way around this obstacle? 
and I'm just going to go for it. And that's something else that I think with Sweet Blackberry has always been really important for me to bring to kids is that, I think you said this before, which is that tremendous obstacles are actually opportunities for greatness. Mm -hmm. That's for adults, too. We need to get that to our heads, too. That when things are difficult, when things put in your obstacles and things in our way, not to look at it as a, just a deterrent and instead to say, hmm, let's do something here. Let's make this happen. And it's an opportunity to do something great, to do something different, to think outside the box, figure it out, and possibly just like crack open a whole other route mm-hmm. for people behind you to go, hey, I can go that route too. <laughs> yeah, so... She's very inspiring to me, and I want to bring her to other boys and girls and inspire them with her story as well. Karen Parsons, thank you so much. You're an actress, and so certainly the power of story and storytelling must be very clear for you. And I really appreciate what you're doing to bring story to all of us and to really bring the stories of those whose stories aren't out there enough to the world. So thank you so much for what you're doing, Karen, and for being with us on Schoolhouse today. Thank you. I appreciate you you having me and wanting to get the word out about what we're doing. You have been listening to a conversation with Karen Parsons, who played Hillary Banks on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and is the founder and president of Sweet Blackberry. Karen, if folks want to get more information about you and about Sweet Blackberry, including how to donate, where can they find you online and in social media? They can go to sweetblackberry.org. You can donate there on the website, and you can find out more information. Like you said, there's a little video on the website. People can check out more about what we're about, what we're doing. If you want me to come to the school and show the films to the kids and talk to them, you can contact us there to do that as well, sweetblackberry.org. We're also on Facebook. You can look for Sweet Blackberry. And... Um, we're on Twitter. <laughs> I'm so bad at all of remembering it. So how many things are there now? And Instagram. The Instagram, though, is a little shaky because I feel very resistant to Instagram. <laughs> Just too many things. I know. I refuse. I refuse Instagram. I, I, I can't. I, I won't. I can't keep up. I can't keep up. <laughs> Not enough hours in the day. But yeah, you can go to sweetblackberry.org and you can visit us at um, SWT. Tweet Blackberry, on Twitter. Yeah, check us out. Well, thanks to everyone for listening in. Remember that you can follow me at Allison R. Brown on Twitter and sign up for the Communities for Just Schools Fund newsletter at cjsfund.org. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful week. <laughs>